The Structural Engineering Channel podcast is published by the Engineering Management Institute and is part of EMI's Civil Engineering Media and Entertainment Network, which can be found at cement.media. That's cement, C-E-M-E-N-T dot media. Welcome to this episode of the Structural Engineering Channel podcast, a podcast focused on helping structural engineering professionals stay up to date on technical trends in the field and to help them succeed in their careers and lives. In this episode, we speak with Drew Tuareg, a project manager at Ruby and Associates Structural Engineers about construction engineering, what it is, how it differs from structural engineering, and Drew will also discuss some of the award-winning projects that he's worked on. I'm your co-host, Alexis Clark. I work in Hilti's North American headquarters as the product manager of our chemical anchoring portfolio in the U.S. and Canada. I'm a licensed professional engineer in Texas. I received my bachelor's in civil engineering from UT Austin, and I'm currently an MBA candidate at Auburn. Before we introduce our guest, the Structural Engineering Channel is a free show, and our sponsors help us keep it free, so we ask that you please support them. Now, I'd like to recognize our first sponsor for this episode. Firstly, SkySiv. SkySiv offers a range of powerful, easy-to-use structural analysis and design software that is 100% on the cloud. A core focus of SkySiv is their Structural Analysis and Design API, which allows structural engineers to access all of SkySiv's technology directly. Build your own tools and software around the SkySiv functions to design faster and easier. Being entirely on the cloud, the SkySiv API can run from any device, meaning no installation or licensing issues. The SkySiv API lets you directly access features such as model generation, structural analysis, member design, concrete design, wind load calculations, and much more from any of your own programs or tools. With just a few lines of code, you can easily automate parts of your design workflow. Are you an innovative engineer looking to improve your team's efficiency or automate repetitive design tasks? If so, the SkySiv API can give your team the tools. Get started today at www.skysiv, that's S-K-Y-C-I-V dot com backslash E-M-I. Now I'd like to recognize our other sponsor, Delubal Software. Delubal Software offers the most powerful yet user-friendly structural analysis and design software for today's structural engineer. With the general FEA program, RFEM, Venture beyond basic box-type buildings into unique, multi-material structures instead. The nonlinear FEA program is based on a modular concept, so you can create a tailored and affordable package specific to your design projects. The add-on modules include the American, Canadian, and other international design standards for not only steel and concrete, but also aluminum, wood, cross-laminated timber, glass, tensile fabric and cable form-finding, dynamics, stability, and so much more. The direct interfaces with BIM programs, including Revit, Tecla Structures, and AutoCAD allow for the time-saving bi-directional exchange of information with the RFEM. Also, Experience Global's recently released standalone program, RWIND Simulation, which simulates wind flow on all structure types and geometries within a numerical wind tunnel. Integrate wind pressures back to the RFEM structure for a complete structural design. For more information, visit www.dlubal.com. And now, let me introduce our guest for this episode, Drew Tuarek. 
Drew is a licensed professional engineer in the states of Michigan and Ohio, and a licensed structural engineer in Illinois. Within Ruby, he leads the construction engineering service group, the technology team, and he is a career coach for several of Ruby's younger engineers. Drew serves the engineering profession as treasurer for the Structural Engineers Association of Michigan and is part of ASCE and AISC. Now let's jump into our conversation with Drew. Drew, welcome to the Structural Engineering Channel podcast. Awesome. Excited to be here. We are so glad to have you here with us today. Before we dive into today's questions, I'd love for you to introduce yourself a little bit, um, tell our listeners about your career journey, and ultimately what you do on a daily basis at Ruby and Associates. In a nutshell, I guess, I always knew I kind of wanted to be an engineer, so I went to an engineering school and chose civil engineering as my major. I realized that there's lots of different things that civil engineers can do, and structural engineering appealed to me the most. After college, I got a job with Ruby and Associates doing some really cool structural engineering projects and found out that in the real world, there's even more things that you can do as a structural engineer. On a day-to-day basis, we've got lots of fun designs, lots of intricate designs, lots of problem solving, lots of communication, and no day is really ever the same. These days with working from home, I'm on meetings a lot, and that's not my favorite part of the day, but I always tell people that answering questions is what I love to do. So I have staff and I have team members that come and ask me questions and we work through problems together, and that's what makes my day fun. Structural engineering, we are running numbers on various construction problems, but that's really only a small part of of what I do as a structural engineer. Thanks, Drew, for that. Thanks for the intro. And yeah, definitely, I know for me too, it's, I like the problem solving aspect and, you know, that's one of the reasons why I became an engineer. But to get into, like, just the way we found you, we found you through an AISC Modern Steel Construction Magazine, and you wrote an article about engineering the building of buildings. Can you tell our listeners that might not be too familiar with the construction industry, like uh, exactly what it is and how it differs from, I guess, your regular structural engineering? In our office, uh, as I mentioned, we have a lot of variety of different kinds of structural engineering. So when you think about a structural engineer, typically, or I would have thought of somebody who designs a building, maybe they design a bridge and that's a specialty. But behind the scenes, there's all kinds of other types of structural engineering that we break our work into. So we have a team that does connection design on a building that's already designed by a structural engineer. We have a team that does erection procedure engineering for a building that's already been designed. And then we have engineers as well who perform what we call construction engineering. And that's the focus of the Modern Steel Construction article that I wrote. Construction engineering as a branch of structural engineering is kind of a a separate animal all in itself, but there are so many different things that you can do with it and so many different ways to solve problems that all relate back to structural engineering principles. The term construction engineering can be used in other ways. I know the American Society of Civil Engineers, the ASCE, 
has a construction engineering institute. They focus more on the whole construction process. So the planning, the scheduling, the manpower, the labor and material input. There's a lot of engineering that goes into that. But on my side, I just focus on the structural engineering portion of solving the structural problems, using the materials, and uh, helping our client to get the project built at the end of the day. Drew, a couple of clarifying questions there that I want to make sure that we're, we're being very clear with our audience. So who's your firm responsible to? How are you contracted onto the project? And can you give us a couple of examples of these different material solutions that you would deliver to the owner? Construction engineering is a service that we provide most often for general contractors or construction managers. Those are the type of firms that are actually taking the steel, taking the concrete, and building the building. So they need our help to make sure that they can build in the right method, or if they have certain problems that they need to solve during construction, that's where we come in. Sometimes fabricators or erectors will need a little construction engineering. Sometimes owners will actually realize the benefit of having the construction engineer on the team, and they'll require construction manager to hire an engineer for either a certain portion of a building or to review something that the construction manager wants to do. As far as the type of work that we do as a construction engineering service, some common tasks are looking at construction equipment loading. A contractor might need to drive a forklift over an elevated slab. They might need to place a mobile crane on or near an existing building. They might need to drive scissor lift on slab on metal deck or slab on grade to reach some construction work that they're doing. So they need a structural engineer to check the slab, check the existing building, make sure that they're not going to damage anything in the course of their work. Other things that we might look at would be demolition design or stability analysis if they have to remove portions of a building or temporary shoring to support portions of a building as they work on it or introduce uh, new portions of the building underneath. So construction repairs are also a big portion of the construction engineering field. Sometimes the engineer of record will say, it's not quite right in the field. You need to take it down and build a brand new one. But other times there are ways that you can use what's there, improve the situation, add more welds, add more bolts, and come up with a repair that doesn't cost any more money than it has to, but gets the structure to a stable situation that will work for the engineer record. For me, Drew, I mostly work on building designs. I'm curious about for construction engineering, just trying to get a little more clarity on how that goes about. So for a construction engineering project, would a contractor hire you out and then you're on the case for the whole project or is it more of a case-by-case basis in terms of maybe they need help on the shoring, maybe they need help on the demolition if they're doing anything like that, or is it kind of just a case-by-case basis? Well, we could say it goes either way. We have relationships with clients who understand the service we provide and appreciate having us uh, in their back pocket. They can give us a call when they have questions about something or when something on a project comes up. But usually, like you said, it's just a case-by-case basis where they have an issue that they need to solve, they have a problem they need to repair, or it may be a longer-term shoring job where they're going to do a little bit, fix that portion of the of the building, move over to another area, shore a little bit, fix that portion of the building, and then we help them through every step of the uh, planning process. 
occasionally we'll have an engineer on site during the construction itself that's solving problems on a day-to-day basis. But usually it's planning and design phase ahead of time to get the contractor ready so that he knows what he's going to need to perform in the field. So are the construction engineers usually on site like that? Like I would imagine they would have to work a lot with the contractor in terms of the phasing and the schedule. If it's a project that's nearby and we need to be out on site in an afternoon's notice, we can hop in a car and head over and take a look at a problem or question that the contractor has. Many times it is as the problem comes up, they realize that they need our help. So it will be a time-sensitive issue. But a lot of times we can take care of that with some photos or with a phone call and determine what the contractor needs us to look at. We don't often have somebody on site for an extended period of time, but certain projects need that. And that can also be a a fun way to change up your work week. Why do you think a contractor would need and reach out to a construction engineer? Well, I guess the bottom line is that it comes down to safety, safety for workers, stability for the structure. At the end of the day, the contractor needs to make sure that the building is stable, their team is safe, their general public is safe. So if they have a situation they're not comfortable with just based on construction experience, they can reach out to us and we can perform the analysis and determine what they need to do to make sure that everything's going to be okay. Certainly, the last thing that you want is for a structure to fall down, for an excavation to cave in. And if it's not a typical situation, if it's not something that they're used to, having a structural engineer take a look at it can sometimes be a a method of cheap insurance. I both love that that's the spin. Uh, It also makes me sad that that is the version. Like, It's both funny but sad, your phrasing of cheap insurance. But I do think that that's really important. And I think we've all noticed that over the past century, and, and even more so, that safety and construction has been regulated. It's been more widely enforced. And now it's actually, you know, it's kind of becoming more of a societal demand. I imagine that means some promising things for the construction engineering industry. Well, that's not exactly my term. We have a client who liked to hire us and call us his cheap insurance. So we really appreciated that and made us feel like we were a valuable member of his team. As the industry is more focused on safety and certainly as structures are getting more complex from a design standpoint, construction methods have to keep up and have to come up with new complex ways of building these structures. So construction, or I guess engineering on the front end, is more in-depth, more computerized, more calculated than it ever has been in the past. So the construction industry in the field has to make some of those changes too to make sure that they can build the buildings that engineers and architects are dreaming up. So I think we've gotten a really good idea for some of the work that you do, and you've given us some great context and and reasons why construction engineers are involved in projects. I'd love for you to share with us some examples of some of those real-life construction projects that you um, or Ruby and Associates in general have been involved with. Well, you asked a little earlier about a project that would have an engineer on site for an extended period of time, and we worked on one a few years ago at West Point Military Academy, actually. This was a pretty neat one, and our engineer lived up in New York for a couple of months, helping the contractor throughout the whole renovation project. The architect was coming up with a new use for an academic building, and that involved adding some rooms in a new basement. But to extend the foundation of the existing structure, the contractor could only work in little chunks at a time. 
So our engineer is working with them on a day-to-day basis, determining how big of a chunk of the existing basement wall you could remove, how to support existing portions of the basement wall and provide bracing for the structure until that area was deepened and replaced, and then how to move on to the next section. The other thing that the Another use that the structure was getting was a new auditorium space that involved removing a whole area of a floor. So that floor provided support for the exterior walls of the building, and when it was removed, the contractor had to provide an alternate means of making sure that the facade had stability. One option was just to put some braces out to the outside of the building, like maybe you would do on a typical structure, but because this was on a college campus and there wasn't a lot of space. And also because of the historic facade on the structure, they didn't want to be drilling in a whole bunch of anchors. We devised a way to use off-the-shelf bracing pieces called EFCO shoring. And we arranged those and attached those inside the structure to help provide the bracing from the floor above and provide the rigidity for the structure until the contractor could complete the work. Another project that I worked on, which was really pretty cool, was the Miami Dolphins Stadium was being renovated. As soon as the football season was over, the contractors could take over, scurry around, and do all of their new steel erection. The very first task was to remove the old scoreboards. The new roof on the stadium was going to go over the top, and the scoreboards were going to be in a way they had to get those scoreboards out as soon as they possibly could. So we designed lift lugs, we analyzed the scoreboard structure, and were able to devise a method where they would cut the columns at the base of the scoreboard, support it with a crane, lift it up, track it over, set it down on the parking lot, and roll it away all in one piece. And they could do that in basically one working day so that they didn't obstruct the schedule and they could get to steel erection that much quicker. You provided us some links and... For our listeners, I think you really got to see the photos that they have on Ruby and Associates' website. We'll provide the link below, but you know, if you're just talking about the Sun Life Stadium scoreboard too, yeah, you really need to see the picture just to see the scale of that. And that really looks like an interesting project because when I read a little bit about it, it looks like it was they were lifting close to 542 kips or of uh, just a giant scoreboard. So really interesting project. So we'll provide those in the links below. When you think about a scoreboard at your local high school, that's one thing. But when you look at the scoreboard at a NFL stadium, this was 70 feet tall and 100 and something feet wide. And like you said, it weighed half a million pounds. So to pick that up, and support it in the air and see the workers right underneath it where they had just cut columns. That was really something. Drew, there was another project that I wanted to get into. This one was a project. It was a five-mile-long suspension bridge, and it was being repainted, and it won several awards. And one of the more recent awards was the National Council of Structural Engineers Association, the NCSEA 2020 Excellence in Structural Engineering Award. That's pretty cool. Can you talk about that project? That is pretty cool. It's not just a five-mile-long bridge, but if you're from Michigan or know the area, it's the Mackinac Bridge, which is kind of the coolest, most iconic structure in the state. It's on our license plates, too, on some of them. The bridge was built in the 1950s, and it's constantly being repainted. 
seems like there's a crew that starts at one end and moves to the other end and then back to the first end again. And there's always uh, work being done on it. A couple of years ago, the Mackinac Bridge Authority decided it was time to strip all of the lead-based paint off of the towers and repaint it with the newest high-tech coating. So the company that got the contract looked at it and said, it's just not feasible to build scaffolding from a bridge deck up to the top of the towers, which are over 500 feet above the water. They came to us to design a platform that they could house a couple of painters and the platform would ride up and down along the tower so they could start at the top, sandblast off the paint, prime it, and then go back to the top, paint it, and then go back to the top and put on the final coat of paint. Like you said, it's a really cool project. Uh, Another of the engineers that worked on it with me, he's 30-something as well, and said that he was just going to retire because that was the pinnacle of his career and just the coolest thing to work on. Seems like a really interesting challenge, too, just because, you know, it's not your typical engineering problem. I imagine you guys come up with this out of, like, thin air, uh, you know, really using your creativity as engineers and on such a really massive project like this, too. That, that seems really cool. Yeah, you really hit the nail on the head. It was kind of a crazy half-baked idea at some point in the painter's heads, and they decided to pursue it and sort of nail some things down. As we got involved in the project, we had to come up with pretty much everything. This obviously isn't a structure that has columns and footings and foundations, but this is all a platform that's hanging from an outrigger structure at the top of the bridge. And every piece that we came up with was kind of a -a one-of-a-kind design. The elevator to get up to the top of the bridge was only as big as two people holding their elbows in tight. So the very first pieces that were erected at the outriggers could only be less than 100 pounds. So an iron worker could lift them and carry them up and erect them. And from there, they were able to build a full outrigger system. And then they were able to hang cables and then attach to this tower structure that wrapped around the whole tower leg. Yeah, we'll provide pictures too. Like uh, you have pictures on your website and we'll, we'll link that below. But again, you got to see the scale on this uh, for our listeners. It's, it's really something. Yeah, Matthew, even though the structure itself is really tall, the platform that we built around it had some severe limitations on how much it could weigh. The hoists that were used to lift the platform up and down were chosen early on in the project due to schedule constraints. And that limited how big we can make the structure, and it even forced us to change the upper two levels of the paint platform from a steel design to an aluminum design. We don't deal with aluminum a whole lot, but it's another material. It has a design code just like steel or timber, and as a construction engineer, we work with all kinds of different products and materials. It's really interesting. It sounds like a lot of the work that you guys are doing is not only fast-paced, you might get brought into the project at different times, but you're also dealing with such a wide range of of materials. You probably have to think pretty quickly on your feet. Well, that's definitely why I love construction engineering. And that's kind of the focus of the Modern Steel Construction article is just the wide variety of things that we can do. Now, I will point out that even though the couple of projects we just talked about were big and fancy and have cool pictures... We certainly do a lot of things to help the contractors on a day-to-day basis that aren't as flashy. They don't make cool spreads in a magazine, but they're still fun problem-solving jobs and they keep my life interesting. I had a 
a longtime client who is a kind of a heavy lift contractor, and they got a job installing a transformer in the top of a building in a downtown area. Well, it was too high to get with a mobile crane that would have obstructed traffic, and it just barely fit within the elevator shaft. So we helped them out by designing some hoisting beams and a little frame that would go at the top of the elevator that they could lift these transformers in. Not one of the more photogenic projects, but it definitely had its own set of challenges and it was fun to work on too. It doesn't have to be pretty for it to be a really, really fun project. Exactly. Perfect. I have one more specific question I want to ask you some questions about. So I understand that you worked on a project with Colorado Springs Utilities where you use some innovative technology to reduce sulfur dioxide emissions at one of its power plants. Is that correct? Yes. Awesome. So I understand that during the pilot testing of the technology you were using, the researchers determined that the best configuration for ductwork of the system was actually a combination of reinforced fiberglass or FRP with a steel exoskeleton. Can you walk me through how this project went and what was, I mean, this is just fascinating to me. FRP uh, is of inert material. It's like you said, fiberglass that's impregnated with resin to make it hard and, and fast. And it's used for tanks and for hoppers and for pipes for corrosive material. It's very rarely used for ductwork. But owner of the system uh, was developing a innovative technology to reduce the emissions. And apparently part of the process was corrosive. So they needed to use a fiberglass duct. But the fiberglass itself doesn't have a very good stiffness to hold itself up. It would be way too expensive to build the entire duct and lateral supporting system out of fiberglass itself. So we worked with the fiberglass engineer and manufacturer to design an exoskeleton out of structural steel that would envelop the fiberglass ductwork and provide a means to hold its shape and support it once it was installed. So this project came with many challenges in just marrying the two different types of materials together. The structural steel needed to provide a slip so that the FRP could expand and contract when it got up to 600 degrees during operation, but the steel remained at essentially ambient temperature. And we also had to coordinate how to support the ductwork on top of the steel below, and we had to coordinate how to attach the sections of ductwork together because this was all being prefabricated. The galvanized steel would be mated to the FRP at the FRP manufacturer's facility, and then those would be shipped to site. So each of them had to be bolted together to construct the entire ductwork once it got in position. So a whole host of fun problems to solve and ways to break down bigger problems into smaller problems and really make for a fun project. I think what's really interesting about construction engineering is that you get to just work with all these different materials. So in the building industry, you know, we typically design with your typical materials, but just from the projects that you were describing, you know, FRP, aluminum, and you have to work with a lot more with the construction and constructability of it. So it really just seems like a a bunch of cool problems to solve. So that's what's really cool to me about uh, construction engineering from what you told us. For engineers that want to get into construction engineering, do you have any advice uh, for them, maybe how to break into the industry or, yeah, any career advice for them to get into that? Well, like you were saying, different materials are 
used throughout the construction process. And steel is certainly my favorite. It behaves the way you expect it to behave. But pay attention in your concrete class, pay attention in your timber class, and most importantly, pay attention in your statics class. The sum of forces equals zero. That's kind of a basic tenet of structural engineering. And no matter what material you're working with, that should always ring true. I'd also say that getting a little bit of experience in the field is important. It really helps to see the construction process, even on just a normal building, working with contractors in the field, talking with contractors in the field. You really have to get on board with them. You have to sort of speak their language and develop a rapport with them so that as a construction engineer, you know what they're capable of and what they're telling you they need to do so that you can support that and either tell them how to do it or how they can modify that plan to do it a little better. Thanks, Drew. I really appreciate you coming on with us on the show and talking to us about construction engineering and especially your cool projects. I think for me, that's what was really interesting and really shed some light on some of the things that go on in construction engineering that uh, maybe some of our listeners aren't too familiar with, but it's a really interesting field as you presented. So thanks so much for being on. Absolutely. Happy to be here and hope people check out some of the pictures because that that makes it way more fun than just listening to somebody talking about it. Absolutely. Those pictures, just thousand words. So we'll definitely provide the in the links below too. We hope you enjoyed the episode today. We would love to hear your feedback, comments, and questions. To leave them, please visit structuralengineeringchannel.com. There you'll find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, which is episode number 39, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during this episode. Don't forget to go on and check out those really sweet pictures that Matt was talking about earlier. And don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you tune into your podcasts. Until next time, we wish you the best in all of your structural engineering endeavors. The Structural Engineering Channel podcast is published by the Engineering Management Institute and is part of EMI's Civil Engineering Media and Entertainment Network. The opinions on the show are those of the hosts and guests, not their employers. For information on EMI's people and project management skills training programs for civil engineering professionals, visit engineeringmanagementinstitute.org.